Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proves to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Look at you. Are you 25 or 26? You look like a spring chicken. Spring chicken is good eating, but they're very small. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Literally. It is I, Rob Lou. If you'd ever told my, um, let's say, 13-year-old self that I would be interviewing uh, William Shatner, um, my 13-year-old self would have uh, said, beam me up, Scotty. That's not going to happen. Um, but the day has arrived. William Shatner is now 90 years old. He has been an icon my entire life. He is a true Renaissance man, a song and dance, Shakespearean actor, author, one-man show, iconic television actor. Y you name it, he's done it. His body of work is, is so insane, so obscure. Some of it is so random and yet classic. Seven decades his career spans, seven decades. And he has a new book out right now called Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder. I mean, the guy is, he's amazing. This is, this is a fun one. I don't even want to use the phrase at your age because it sounds vaguely condescending. I mean it totally with a, no, no, nothing but- No, it's not vaguely condescending. It's just condescending. Condescending. Okay. Well, the last time I saw you, I think we were doing this amazing Shakespearean reading. Do you remember this for Tom Hanks's charity? Oh, I did several. I did many over the years. Yeah, I only did one. It was many, many years ago. But um, what it, we did, I think you were playing Bottom. So that would have been Midsummer Night's Dream. Is that what it would have yeah, been? Yeah, I believe so. Tom Hanks and his wife Rita support the L.A. Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. So we would all meet once a year for the day. At UCLA and, and at the at the performance hall, so we'd rehearse from the morning about ten o'clock in the morning, and then at seven o'clock at night the doors would open and the audience would come in, and we'd hold our scripts and give a full performance of a Shakespeare play. <laughs> <laughs> Brana, Ken Brana, was he there that time you were there? Yes, the version I was at, I can't imagine. I mean, it was Jeffrey Rush, Ken Brana. 
you, Tracy Ullman, um, Zach, I want to say Zach Braff, um, Christina Applegate. My God, what a memory. That's incredible, man. Well, because it was so star-studded. Like, oh, um, Kate Hudson. Jeez. I mean, it was it, Tom Hanks, Rita. Yeah. And Natalie Cole. Yeah. You know, I've totally, it's totally gone from my mind, except, except every so often I hit a, a good note and I remember some of those notes, you know. Mm. I mean, I hit a, a musical note in, in the Shakespeare thing. That, oh, that was all right. Well, you you started at Stratford. I realized as I was doing a little uh, look back at your early career, you were an understudy at Stratford, correct? Well, I was part of the Stratford company a year after they opened. No way! So literally, the the, the Stratford, the famous Stratford, had only been up one year. Well, I I they asked me to be there the the first year. Well, I thought, well, you know, there's some stupid company going to be at this town of. Stratford, Ontario. Yeah, that's never going to go anywhere. That's never going to go anywhere. And why am I going to waste my time? And I, yeah. I got a job in the summer theater anyway. So I turned them down and then it was a smash success. I, I'll come back. I'll be there <laughs> next year. <laughs> you saw some amazing people come through, correct? That, that was the one of the joys to see these incredible actors and some that the audience, that the American audience doesn't know, uh, Frederick Volk mm. was a great German actor who played Shylock. His mm-hmm. whole career, not whole, but for a long time, his career was based on doing Shylock. I presume both in English and certainly German, maybe he had other languages, but he made a career of Shylock. When you were an understudy, who did you understudy? Well, I, in the, what you do there is if you're not the leading light you play a part and you understudy right so i played whatever i played in those years and was assigned a part a leading part to to learn and to go in and of course nobody ever goes in i mean when was the last time the only time i've ever heard exactly i was there when what's her name went on in pajama game and became a star and she was superb and the star never came back well, the star came back. It's not like uh, like football. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> What's his name? Never came back, and and has a winery now. Um, so uh, I understudied um, Chris Plummer. And my my info has Alec Guinness, James Mason, Anthony Quayle. All those guys came. Wow! But what you do in one of those. Um, kind of acting companies, uh, you rehearse a play uh, for three or four weeks, and then it goes on. Now you've got that play in in rotation, and now you rehearse another play Ugh. for three or four weeks, and that goes on, and then you rehearse another play. So Henry V went on first, and I was the understudy. But understudy rehearsals would be held after three or four plays, three or four months went by, then they, then they, their, their, their schedule was to rehearse the understudies. So they, so this famous director said, "All right, Chatner, you're going to understudy Plummer." Oh, okay, I'm going to do Henry V. Nobody learns the lines. I mean, why do you learn the lines? Nobody goes on, and it's rehearsals are on three or four months. I'll take my time. But this thing my book is about, yes, boldly go, is about how I think. Now watch me control my dog by... Boldly go into your dog's brain. Macchiato, stop barking. Well done. See? Power that was power. some Shatner-esque That's right. command. So my book, Boldly Go, is about our connection to the universe and how I think the universe can look after us if we are aware. Whether it's mm-hmm. prayer, meditation, whatever it is, I mostly I think it's awareness of how we're tied into the universe. So something niggled at me and said, you better learn the lines. So in addition to playing a part during the day from 10 till 4 and then going on at night, I started to learn the lines in this 8 by 10 little bedroom I had, pacing back and forth and learning words 
great, these huge speeches once more into the breach and all those kinds of things. About a week after we opened, Plummer got kidney stones. He went into the hospital. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder that afternoon and said, could you, uh, uh, Guthrie wants to talk to you. So I went to see Tyrone Guthrie. He says, can you on? I said, what? I I don't even know the names of the actors. Can you on? I never hear. Oh, boy. Yes. So I went on. I didn't know the, the choreography. I, I, you know, I had never said the words out loud. I didn't know the name. <laughs> you know, who are these actors? I'd only been there a few weeks. That sounds like a reoccurring nightmare that I have, of the, that I think all actors have. Exactly. And the nightmare came true because the play goes on and on with these great speeches. And then at the very end, there's a like a musical coda. And the, the King Henry V visits with the French princess. And, and he says, you know, you know, you're very pretty and I'd like to marry you. And she says, well, I don't know. And then, and then the play ends. When I got through all those big speeches and I was at the little tag ending, essentially, my mind went out. I didn't know what to, I, I went blank. There was a guy playing my part that I moved out of, the brother. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, the only person I know who knows what the words are, because we had a thrust stage and I couldn't seek help from the stage manager because he was way back there. I went over to my brother, put my arm around my brother at the end of the battle, and I said, what do I say? And he looked at me and he went, and I went, what? And then I walked back. The lines came to me. I finished the play and I was out of there. Oh, I have such anxiety in my belly hearing that. I can't, but it's also exhilarating. Well, imagine being able to tell that story and getting these great reviews the next day because the critics were still there. The next day, the papers were filled. Understudy goes on. And I have this story that I've told innumerable times and I've hastened through it because we have a limited amount of time. So that's a story about how it's possible that the universe takes care of you it has taken care of me, and I, I failed, essentially, on my first musical album. And a few months ago, I performed at the Kennedy Center mm. to songs that Robert Chernow and I wrote, 70-piece orchestra behind me. I do an hour's entertainment. People are screaming, music, tank. Uh, it's it's going to be a television show, I, I suppose, live at the Kennedy Center, an album that the London Symphony Orchestra has picked up. And, but this is the most important part. One of the songs, and what I thought of then as the big song, entitled So Fragile, So Blue, about my trip to space and what we are missing. I'm going to make it into a music video. Rob, you're going to be one of the people on the music video. Because the music videos, what can we do about the destruction of our world? You spoke very movingly about your your trip to to space, and it's so counterintuitive. I feel what you were left with when you came when you came back. You were in sort of profound grief, um, seeing our, as you say, our fragile blue little planet, and and it being in in, in such jeopardy. Um, and it sounds like it's completely. Um, ignited more creative passion. I've always been an ecologist. First of all, do you think I'm going to get a chance to go to space? Yeah. Do you think I'm going to live long enough where it'll be like going up in a hot air balloon? Right now, you got to pay a lot of money, but there'll come a time when it'll be like perfunctory. Uh, Because what, what Bezos is after is to get industry up into space, uh, polluting industry. And then people live up there, work up there. And how easily, easily, man, nature revives itself. Chesapeake Bay was polluted. They couldn't fish anymore in it. Yep. They left it alone for 20 years. It came back. They're, they're- oh, it's unbelievable. And you see that all the time, Bill. The um, white sea bass were almost extinct. And my son is a big uh, fisherman, among other things. And if you just leave it alone, just leave it alone, it, it, most things will come back in, in spades. Um, but it requires people wanting to do it. Well, it requires leaving it alone. Yes. Tell me about the liftoff. Tell me about the G-forces. What, what, do I, what do we have to look forward to when we all get to go to space? There's a dial. 
you're lying back like this. You're lying like you are right now, a little further right. back. Uh, and and they've kind of rehearsed you with sound and the chair because you got to get back into that seat after you're in weightlessness. And you think, all right, so I just uh, put the five-point harness. But when you lean back on a five-point harness, I know you drive fast cars, so you've been chook, 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 like I do. See, I'm, okay, I'm set to go, and you tighten it down. You tighten it down, you're ready to go. So now you're like, okay, five-point harness. I got the left arm, but I float into the left arm. I got the right arm on. I got them okay. I got the waist. Now you got the the between the legs yeah. attachment. So now you're lying back like this, and you got to put that in the hole where it belongs. And you can't find the hole because you're back there, and you're going, and they're saying, I got it. Let's off, guys. Go, go. And, and you're going, oh, no. Are you hearing a countdown in your head? You're hearing a countdown on the loudspeaker. T minus 15, T minus 14. And then what happened was, T mi- hold, the, hold the countdown. There's an, an allele. What's an allele? An animal? Something's gone wrong that doesn't belong there. An allele. That's the animal. Well, it might be an animal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, oh, my God. And then what happened? Was the guys, okay, we got it. Uh, we can continue the countdown. All right, we're going to remove the gantry now. And this is what he said. And if anybody wants to get off, now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, I'll go. Did they have an escape pod, like, shoots you off if it goes to hell? Yeah, they do. In fact, my understanding was they were rehearsing something or other. And something went wrong. And the pod... Was nobody in it? The escape pod, the pod containing mm-hmm. the astronauts, went off and the parachutes down, and everything worked. So there was a certain sense of security there. On the other hand, they must have felt that about the Hindenburg and the Titanic. You never know what's going to go on, which is referring to human error. So the G's hit you, the G force. The G do you forces feel like- hit you on the way up. Yes, I tried to raise my arm. No, 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 I couldn't raise my arm. Boom, you're at the Carmen line. Suddenly, everything's released. Now you're weightless. And everybody else was like, oh, weightless, weightless. And I went to the window to see what was going on. And then on the way down, there's more. And you more weightlessness, about seven Gs. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope I can survive this. Are you seeing flames through the window as you're reentering? No. You didn't say that with a lot of conviction, Bill. Well, I was trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> mm, when do you say flames? <laughs> what exactly? <laughs> what, do flames? what do you mean by yes. flames? Uh, <laughs> do you mean burning tiles? Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, no, but actually, you haven't got a chance because to look for flames because you're pressed back in that seat so so securely. Is there noise? Oh my God! Thunderous noise. Thunderous noise, a lot of banging and booming, which is what they tried to prepare you for. So they played like sound things, Mm -hmm. and none of it came anywhere near what the sound was really like. It was overwhelming, fearful. You know, it's what's wild for me is to watch you like all these questions are swimming in your head. Yes. You've got to pick the first one out. Yeah. No, I can't because it truly is a remarkable, remarkable experience that you that you got to have that I can't even begin to that I want to have that I that I can't even begin to I was sure if you made your if you made it known that uh, you'd go up there because they send them up every so often oh I would go in 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 two minutes the um and then when you land you land I remember we, you know we always when I was a kid all the 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 Apollos and things like that we always landed in the ocean and I was blown away that the Russians would land in Siberia but right. the but the ocean is every bit as hard to land on as land is, and then you face drowning. So it's better to land on land, correct? Well, uh, yeah, I think the water's a little more giving. I know that the water's like concrete. Yeah. But but the landing, they've got the rocket comes back to to Earth upright. They got that technology. Uh, parachutes deploy, and you come down, and when when you're within a very few feet. Rockets go off to cushion the fall, and you land. It's barely a bump. It's insane. I mean, I've seen. I've, we've all seen the videos of it, obviously, but it's just absolutely 
beyond, that to me is the most impressive part of it, and, and, and all of it is. Well, imagine this rocket thing, and the, the big rockets uh, are much taller and more prone to fall, fall off balance. SpaceX is rockets come back and they land upright. It's, it's phenomenal. I have so many questions. It, it literally boggles the mind. I've done a lot of podcasts, so I have a lot of questions and stuff. But this, this getting you talking about space is is definitely up there in, in the top, the pantheon. What? How many? How many? Top what? Top Two, five. One, five. You've done five better podcasts than this one. Talking to you about space is is that would have to be one and two, or or just one. It's just one. Summer is almost here. Are you ready to throw open your windows or throw them away? If they're drafty, foggy, or impossible to clean, talk to your friends at Window World. Window World specializes in home transformation with beautiful, energy-efficient windows, entry doors, and siding, featuring Energy Star certification and the good housekeeping seal. Call 1-800-WINDOW-WORLD Schedule your free consultation and tell them you heard about it here on Literally the Rob Lowe. Window World, America's exterior remodeler. Well, you know, no two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas, vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activity allow for such an infinite number of different travel experiences. I mean, I love Texas. I go like this. The people of Dallas, the culture of Austin, and I love any time I get there. If you're a beach person, well, you can go have fun in the sun with Texas 350 miles of coastline. If you're a rugged vacation type, there's campgrounds, hiking trails, state parks, golf is nuts there, foodies, you got your Texas barbecue and live music in Austin. And of course, if you're into the cowboy scene, you can certainly find it there. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom trip matched to their own unique interests. So visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER. To get the service you deserve, limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Do you have any of your velour Captain Kirk tops around? Because I, the, you brought velour and it is was velour, right? I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Why does no one wear velour anymore? Velour has lost its allure, I guess. Velour. You know, you you have to not eat lunch. How did you stay in such good shape through through that run? Because that was that was like you were wearing tight tight velour. Oh, for three years, you know. Should I eat that for lunch or should I not? Nowhere to hide. Um, you're a big, like I am. I'm very much interested in, in new physics and things like that. Very much so. How did you find your way into interest in that field? Not so long ago, I was given a lifetime achievement award. And I said, well, what do you, who gets a lifetime? Anybody who lives, anybody <laughs> who exists gets a, should get a lifetime achievement. That's an achievement. You, you've achieved a lifetime. Exactly. It's exactly my thought, exactly what I said. I mean, if you live more than three years old, I mean, you're doing a really a good job. So what's worth a lifetime achievement? That you, you did a good part, you played thing, you did a good podcast. If you do a number one podcast, maybe that's a lifetime achievement. But other than that, I said, maybe if I was to commend myself about a lifetime achievement, I would say that I've spent my lifetime trying to hold on to the inner child, Mm. that curious three, four, five, six, seven-year-old child that dwells in all of us, 
many actors, it's, it exists in the forefront. And, yes. and then some of us are able to bank it a little, but that curiosity about everything, like, wow, why is the sky blue? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, how, how does this technology work? We take it for granted. If that's inexplicable, what about a black hole or, or a, a snail? I'm obsessed with time. I'm obsessed with... I am too. How old are you? 58. And it's not, and funny, I'm not obsessed with, I don't think that I'm obsessed with time because it's a function or a result of me growing older and thinking about mortality, although that's probably part of it. It's just that the, our lack of understanding, or should I say our new understanding of, of what time is and isn't, it just blows me away. I can't get enough. Well, are you referring to time space? Yeah, space time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Non-linear, that time is not linear. That we yeah, that, I don't understand that. Do you understand that? I don't think that we are capable. I'm not smart enough, certainly, to be Yeah, to but be I mean, no, everybody's smart enough. I mean, nobody has a brain that doesn't, that, I, I, I mean, the average person could, if it were explained properly. For example, part of that explanation is that things slow down at speed of light, okay? So that if we were astronauts going at the speed of light, there'd be no passage of time. That's insane. So my question is to any scientist, does that mean your heart stops? Your telomeres not not uh, grow old? I mean, what happens? Uh, time slows down, but doesn't your body continue to operate in a, if it isn't 24 hours, which is an Earth-made thing, can you measure time by your heartbeat? Well, how about this? The, what, it, what obsesses me is the notion that there actually is no future, no, there's no separate future, past, or present. That all f- the time is nonlinear. So the past is now, the future is now. We're in a dimension See, that, where we can all only. That's very well. I, I think, yo, it's <laughs> listen to that. Well, it's very educated. Explain to me why the telescope, why the, the Hubble, and now, of course, the web, the Hubble can see. 13.8 billion light years into the universe. And the farthest uh, 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 grouping of stars they can see is 13.8 billion light years. And it took 13.8 billion light years to come to our retina. So this guy on the, on the, on the Hubble, oh, look at that, it's 13.8 billion light years. I can tell that by the redshift. So far, so good? Yep. Okay. That's 13.8 billion light years. So uh, you've measured time. It's taken 13.8 billion light years for that constellation, that grouping of stars, to go in that direction. Of course, it's taken that amount of time to reach your eye, so it's now 26 point, 27 point, you know, whatever the multiple is. If it's mm-hmm. 13, it, it's there, it was there 13.8 billion light years ago. 13.8 billion light years later, where is it now? Right. And you're measuring time. So yes. don't tell me time doesn't exist. We're using time as a proof of how long the how, how old the universe is. Oh, yeah, it's so. That's, tell, how do you explain that? One that's that is is one of the three elements of time. That's the that is in our dimension understanding of time. That is a linear measurement of truth. But we but we all know in quantum physics that it's not linear so on some other plane that it is it's circular it sounds like i've smoked a lot of pot right now i admit this is the kind of thing that we should be listening to jethro tall and just talking what it sounds like hmm. is everybody else who have asked to explain it yeah neil degrasse Tyson. i've had arguments faux arguments what are you talking about how can you measure it when there's all this dark matter yeah what does he say and everything else 90% of the of the of the universe is made of dark, dark matter and not only we call it dark matter because we don't know what it is we don't yes. know whether it's a structure we don't know whether it's a cloud we don't know we don't know anything about it but 90% or more of the universe is composed of something we don't know what it is yep. how do we measure things how do you say well it's 100 yards from here how do you know that when there's a a, a great cloud a great curtain between you and what you're measuring, and you don't even know what it is you're measuring. What does he say? He's like, I'm not going to argue with you, Captain Kirk. Right, exactly. 
you know, and he laughs, and, and, and he's got a reasonable explanation, which I don't understand. I, I, it's simply inexplicable. Okay, here's my other obsession. Are you are you as obsessed with the CERN as I am? With the what? The, the, the Super Collider? The, oh, in, uh, the CERN uh, glass? Yes, yes. Well, I'm, I'm obsessed, obsessed with it. Bang, and everything flies off into oil but because they're they you know they're they're discovering the god particle they call it and all of that i mean it's just uh, higgs boson wait a minute i i because i know we're going to go down where well, we are in this rabbit hole we're down the rabbit we're in the wormhole which is great um but i need to just jump out of it because we're going to go back to it i know because i'm obsessed with this but i need to know am i insane when i was watching boston legal we go back to show us for a minute which you're genius in with my good friend james spader i love james the best right the best you guys would end every episode on the roof smoking cigars and i'm telling you i saw an episode i'm i i i think i you tell me if i'm imagining this where you walked up on the on the roof he walked up there he turned and looked at you and took a big drag of the cigar and he says where have you been i haven't seen you all episode i don't think so i don't know i was there did you ever break the fourth wall like that or am i losing my here's mind. What, all right. No, here's what happened on another occasion. And you explain it to me. Uh, David E. Kelly. Yes. He the great. Wrote yep. most of the scripts. So he had this character I was playing say, cue the music to the director. Well, do I say it to camera? Do I say it to the guy I'm playing with? I mean, who do I say it to? I fumbled around on the last episode. Kelly writes, for this character to say, I've always thought of my life as a television show. Of course, he's living in a television show of his own making, and he yeah. hears, oh, cue the music, and mm -hmm. play the love song. And, and that was the explanation, but it came towards the, at the end of the, of the journey. So I don't think he ever said, I've been waiting for you all episode. Although, <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you. He's crazy enough. To have written it, and I don't remember it. I, well, listen, one of the things I love about you is you're so fun to talk to, and you're you're so curious and interesting and love to speak and speak well. James Spader is equal. I, I'm surprised between the two of you, you got any work done, because my man Spader likes to talk, too. I'd love to. Have you interviewed him? I have not yet. He's on our list. I'm dying to. We will get him. Uh, is he a friend of yours? Yeah, we did a movie called Bad Influence together. How long ago? 1990. So that's 30 years ago. Yes. I spent five years with him. Mm -hmm. uh, he was this wonderful guy. I just admired him so much. Mm. And when we left, said, God, I'm going to have dinner. Yeah, man, I'm going to have dinner. And that, those are the last words I ever spoke to him. <laughs> it's the truth. He is a true eccentric. He, I forgot what the conversation was, but he pretended to smoke a weed and smell flowers. <sighs> he, took, uh, he smelled the flowers. And then... He did something with his face that to this day, what was that, at least that five years ago, six years ago? To this day, I laugh at what he did portraying a guy under the influence smelling flowers. It was brilliant beyond did you Did you see him when he uh, showed up on The Office? You will lose your mind. It's the weirdest, most bizarre, amazing, riveting it, it like both did not work at all and at the same time worked magnificently, wow. if that's possible. Does that make sense? You, no. You have to choose one. <laughs> no. But in quantum, but Bill, I'm saying in in my view of time, it worked well and didn't work at all at the same time. So they both exist. Yes. Everything exists. Everything. Quantum mechanics isn't it yes two things can exist at the same time it can appear and disappear that's what i'm saying so there's a version where star trek ran for 17 seasons still going you're still playing it in the velour you're still doing it <laughs> you know the only thing i ever let interrupt my podcast my dog take a minute now, please, pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox 
designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. All good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Rob. That's harrys.com slash Rob for a $3 trial set. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here, there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash ev6 kia movement that inspires did you ever meet lucille ball i did people forget lucille ball the production company made star trek desi lu yeah we were in the desi lu uh part of paramount which shortly thereafter they tore down the wall did you meet Desi? I don't think so. But the son-in-law and the daughter, I got to know. I directed the son-in-law in the movie. He was wonderful. Lawrence Luckenbill. Now, I feel like Star Trek and Lost in Space are the Beatles and the Rolling Stones of space television. That's good. I've never heard that before. Although Lost in Space, the producer of mm-hmm. my show called The Unexplained, he was a brilliant man. Kevin Burns, who loved Lost in Space and all the paraphernalia, knew the guy, the gentleman who played the lead. Jonathan Harris. And knew him very well. And Kenneth Burns was brilliant. How he could love that. (laughs) And 
and Star Trek at the same time. I know they're not they're not comparable, but in today's world where everybody is has a crossover episode and and actors cross pollinate each other's, I would have given anything for you to beam down on a planet and run into Doctor Smith and that robot. I would have given anything. anything. That was also facetious, wasn't it? I mean, he just he was talking like that. I mean, I think Captain Kirk would have stunned him with a gun. You guys were dealing with lofty, very lofty themes, and they were chasing around guys in giant potato man suits. It was just That's really what I mean. I wanted, I wanted to have a phaser so badly, and the only way you could—this is how funny merchandising has come. The, can you imagine? You could not buy a phaser as a kid. No one sold them. You could the only way you could get it when I was a kid was a model. And you had to make it. And I'm the least handsy, hands-on person imaginable. I'd have glue everywhere and burn my finger. There's no way I could have, with airplane glue, couldn't have done it. But that was the only way you could buy a phaser. And then nuts. Like today, you know, there'd be a thousand of them. You'd be able to buy every single thing you ever had. Well, there are, you know, all these sales and, and things like that where people make a lot of money on it. No, I do not have any paraphernalia whatsoever, whatsoever of Star Trek. Once you go down that road, what you, where does it end? Well, not only does where does it end, why would you start in the first place? If you, I'm on for three years. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you're canceled now. Okay. So why would you take something with you? I mean, oh, geez. You know, it was never very popular, never greatly popular to begin with. Three years of declining ratings. And finally, they put us on a Friday night at 10 o'clock and then, well, goodbye, goodbye. And that was the end of it for six years. Six years later, it goes into syndication. And becomes popular. Which really shows you never know. You never know. Tell, let me tell you about something you never know. So I said, okay, I'll do an album. So I, I said, here's my concept. I'll do pieces of classic literature. And we'll put right music underneath it. And then segue into a song of that day, which was, had the lyric of which was good and was the, was the literature of the day. Mm-hmm. So, for example, to be or not to be, whether I'm whether the character Hamlet wants to live or not live, segues into it was a very good year, where the guy is saying, "When I was 21, and when I was 30, when I and it's a good, very good year." Mm-hmm. So this guy wants to die, this guy wants to live, and I thought, and so there's music, there's music there, and I thought, hmm, that's a good. So I did Cyrano de Bergerac. The speech ends, uh, one of his speeches ends. Uh, I may climb to no great heights, but I will climb alone. Climb alone. Segue into a drug song where you can't climb alone. Where you need the help of a drug. I love it. Makes perfect sense to me. Okay, makes common sense. So now I'm on the Johnny Carson show, and uh, I'm rehearsing. And the producer uh, Freddie de Cordova comes up and says, "Bill, it's just six minutes long. You can only do three minutes. You want to do the literature? Or you want to do the song? I'm on. Guess I'll do the song. So now I'm doing a song." Out of nowhere, Lucy in the sky with them. And I look over at him and he goes, What the fuck? Amazing. And everybody laughed. And so it never did very well. But 30 years later, Ben Folds hears it, calls me, want to work with you. I do a number on his album. The album is successful. The number is successful. I'm back in the music business. I start doing albums. And Two of my albums went number one, a blues album, Christmas album. And I'm finding out how to do this thing of singing without being able to sing. Mm-hmm. But I have a sense of poetry and I'm doing the poetry with music and I'm there and it's working. And then, as I say, I get to Kennedy Center and the whole thing, the arc works. The universe is taking care of me. Your inner child is alive and well. So you're curious, you're, you don't give up you you do you follow your muse where it leads you and you do it long enough and it's gonna all take care of itself i think let me ask you this this is so act is i always love this when i when i read certain actors interviews or a lot of times they'll be young actors and they, they talk about their career plan and things like that what the hell's a career plan like you can you can conduct your life like you have a plan in life. I, that's a, incredible that you should say that. Uh, I've said the exact same words. I have a career plan. I'm, uh, it's a sideways move for my career. What? 
right? <laughs> look, look at all you young actors out there. This is William Shatner. No career plan. Okay. What does it tell you? Say work is the career plan. Yes. Uh, don't do something that's detrimental, but say yes to something as well. I don't know whether it, go for it. What the hell? And you know who else says the same thing is a wonderful man. I'm sure you've um, run across in the day is Michael Caine. You know, I haven't. I think I've nodded in his direction, but does he say that? I had a great um, lunch with him about three years ago and we were talk- talking about things. And Why did you have a lunch with him? I was in London working. He was in London and we had nodded at each other over the years. Right. And we decided let's get together and have a lunch. And he, he said, you know, he said this great thing. He said, when I came up in the business, he said, I was not the best actor of my contemporaries. I wasn't the best looking. And I wasn't the hottest or most most sought after, but I saw people get fussy about their choices and they didn't work enough and they forgot how to act. I saw others drink their careers away and I just said yes and plodded around and did my thing and, and now I'm the guy. If something appealed to him, even on the tiniest level, he did it. Um, as opposed to what does it mean for my career and what does that say about me? And the last thing I did was a comedy, so should I do another comedy? Or I've done five Westerns in a row, so should I do a sit? All that bullshit. Such bullshit. I rarely hear an actor who knows what he's talking about say that. And that's wonderful, wonderful. Because I woke up yesterday and I've, I've agreed to do two things. World Wrestling Federation and I, we've had a history and Snoop Dogg. So they said, we've got this award that we're giving Snoop Dogg. It's a belt. We want you to talk to the belt. And I thought I could, could, I could read the dedication from my book and playing to the, the live belt, which is going to be presented to Snoop. I mean, it just works. Listen, it's like so. Seth MacFarlane is is a friend. He he uh, created Family Guy, and he has his. I know Seth, and yeah. you know Seth because he's obsessed with you and obsessed with Star Trek. You know right. he is. Yeah. So the Orville, the pilot script, he sends to me. He said to me, "I have a part I've written for you to come in and do. If you want to do it, it's super fun. You would play a blue alien who ejaculates out of his forehead." And I said, "I'm in." I'm in. I'm not thinking about what does it say about my career, and you know, does it make it none of it. Mostly blues ejaculate through their ear. Most, yes, I know. Most blue. You must know a lot about aliens. Do you believe in aliens? You must. What does that mean? Believe in aliens? What, what is that? What is the meaning of your question? Okay, let me rephrase it. You certainly must believe that we are not the only species in the universe. Statistically, it's impossible yes. that we're the only ones. Just it doesn't make sense. The billions upon billions of planets that will have some combination of what we have or not. They don't need oxygen and hydrogen to, to, to live. They can live underwater. They could live with methane. I mean, it's just, it's just impossible that we're the only ones. It's got to be. And life, the way life has this imperative to under a rock, under the sun, in a cave, in a life, it just is a dynamic. Life is all over the universe. How could we be the only ones? Of course. Of course. So aliens. Yes, aliens exist, but I don't think they've come circling this planet in a vehicle, uh, being shy about <laughs> landing on the on the, the lawn of the, the White House. If they wanted to do it, they'd do it. I love, you know, I love how driven you remain. I love it. It's so inspiring. Well, that's my job. Gosh, I wish y'all could have seen him. His energy, that is so inspiring. I'm, I'm so pumped right now. It's such a great takeaway, such a gift to get that. I mean, you know, there are so few, like, mentors out there. And to have somebody like Shatner, who's seen and done it all, give you a nugget like that, super special. Um, you got questions? I got answers. Let's hit the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 
323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Mr. Lowe, my name is Brian from St. Paul, Minnesota. Big fan of your movies, huge fan of Mr. Traeger, and a huge fan of 911. So when I heard you were going to be in your own version in the 911 verse, I was very excited. My question is related to the 911 show. I'm curious how many of the calls um, in the 911 office and the calls that the fire crew go out to how much of it is made up and how much of it is based on real life thanks so much um have a great day can't wait to hear the next step hey brian i'm i'm glad you're loving lone star um we have a blast doing it um yeah almost all of the calls and the rescues um are based in reality um the writers spend a lot of time um calling over news reports and they're always obviously looking for something that's odd or different or things like that. But everything's based in reality. Everything's based in something that's happened. And then, of course, it's the writer's job to add a layer on top of it that makes it even more entertaining or even more bizarre. But, yeah, they, they, that's the job number one. My son writes on that staff. So uh, they're always looking for something crazy. Um, anyway, thanks and keep watching. Um, hey, listen, I was thinking about this. I hope you guys are going through the little menu of all the past podcasts we've done. And looked at them because there are some great ones. And you should know that these shows are all designed to be evergreens. So it's not like you're going to go back and go, oh, well, that was last year. It's like each interview is designed to be as compelling whether you listen to it the week it comes out or literally years later. So don't forget. There's some um, go back and have a, a look at all of them. And don't forget to download the rest of uh, the year. And I'm going to see you next week on Literally... Beam me up, Scotty. It's time to go home for lunch. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Rob Schulte, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Our research is done by Alyssa Grahl. The podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. All of the music on this podcast was composed by Devin Bryant, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Rob Lowe.